0: You know, we, uh, we see a lot of images of Jesus hanging on a cross. We even have one up right here. Two days ago, we had a, a Good Friday gathering where we remembered the work of Jesus on the cross. But today, we don't celebrate that Jesus only went to a cross to die. We celebrate what happened two days later. In fact, the cross means nothing unless Sunday came, right? Friday doesn't mean anything unless Sunday finally came around. Today, we celebrate that Jesus has risen from the dead. He didn't stay in the tomb. And that when he rose from the dead... He didn't just rise from the dead authenticating that he was God and that everything he had said was true. He didn't, he didn't just rise from the dead to authenticate what the Smithsonian Institute said years ago that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is the most provable and infallible piece of history in all of antiquity. That's not just why Jesus died to prove that he was actually God. But when he died, he died to raise people up with him. Jesus came to give life and that's what I want to talk about today is that Jesus came to give life and to demonstrate this I'd like to look at the story of a man in a different tomb who had also died but unlike Jesus didn't have the power to raise himself up from the seemingly final death it'll be up on the screen I'll be reading from John chapter 11. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sisters sent word to Jesus Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. He went on to tell his disciples, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Upon his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I I know he'll rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then Martha goes and gets her sister Mary. Mary comes back to Jesus, continues in verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him she fell at his feet and said lord if you had been here my brother would not have died when jesus saw her weeping he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled where have you laid him he asked come and see lord they replied and jesus wept jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, Jesus said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man. This is kind of funny, but by this time, there is a bad odor. In the King James Version, it said, but Lord, he stinketh. (laughs) For he's been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone and Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Then the dead man came out. In the previous chapter, um, Jesus heals this blind man who had been blind from birth. And the religious leaders saw it happen and they were at a loss as to what to do with Jesus. See, Jesus didn't fit inside of their box that they had made for God. And so they didn't know, is this man a prophet? Is he a sorcerer? Is he the Messiah like he says he is? What do we do with this Jesus? And so Jesus begins to explain to them that he is like a shepherd who's going out to find lost sheep to bring them back to safety. And then he says this in John 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. A couple days later, he raises Jesus or Lazarus from the dead. Jesus came to give life. Today's Easter, family of God. This is the day we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, he became the first fruits of those who would rise with him into newness of life. Today, we don't just remember that Jesus rose from the dead, we remember that Jesus rose us from the dead Jesus came to give us life and so there's three words I just want to look at today came can everybody say came Came. give everybody say give Give. life everybody say life. life Jesus came Jesus came to give and Jesus came to give life first of all that he came Jesus came There Lazarus was, the end had come. Life had finally taken its toll and death had finally called his name. And there was no end past this. This was it. There was no hope for Lazarus past the grave. And there he laid in the tomb, dead, cold, and alone. And such is life, right? We are all born into this world alone and when we die we die alone others did come that day but they came for the family to mourn with the family And they were probably hired even at that as was the tradition and the culture in the first century but nobody came for Lazarus and nobody would come for Lazarus except one I've only shared this with a, a couple of people, maybe like two. I try not to make a habit of saying things in public before I tell like, people close to me, but I couldn't escape it as I was prepping for today. Um, God's been doing some very deep stuff in my personal life this, this year, and he's been revealing to me um, the root of certain self-destructive behaviors, and Unhealthy relational patterns. It's been revealing to me the root of false narratives and belief systems that I, I live by and have lived by for a long time. And at the root of it is this unexpected thing. This is really vulnerable for me to say this, but the root of it is this, this fear of being left and alone and it has manifest itself uh in my life in in different ways some not so obvious it, at times it's looked like anger maybe as a way for me to try to protect myself at times it's manifested itself in in uh, a need a felt need to control whatever i can that's happening in my life maybe as a way to find some kind of perceived safety but at the root is this thing fear of being left and alone And without consent and without the help of a therapist, uh, God began to show me that it's been there since the beginning. The day after I was born, um, I I got this really gnarly infection and my body went into, it became septic until I was in septic shock and oxygen was being cut off to my brain. Some of you guys are like, that explains a lot. (laughs) And um, I began to die. And so they told my mom to say goodbye to me and to kiss me one last time as it would likely be the last time she'd see me. And then they put me in a helicopter and flew me across Los Angeles to a hospital where they thought there was better chances of saving my life. And so then they rushed me into the NICU and there I was. Tubes being... Put in my, like literally, in my skull. I still have a huge scar right here. And in my abdomen, and IVs in my arms and legs, everyone frantically running around in an attempt to save my life. And there I was, alone, having been stripped from the only person I knew, my mother, and surrounded by all of these people who should have brought comfort to me they were trying to save my life right They should have been safe people but all it felt like to me was just I imagine a a lot of pain and then for weeks they kept me there and slowly nursed me back to health and I'm not trying to be psychological here but we know that during the first nine months of a child's life um, the most critical neurological pathways are making their connections and in what is called the heart of the brain, the Olympic system. And the Olympic system defines for you how you're gonna see the world, how you're gonna see people, and how you're gonna see yourself for the rest of your life. And because I only ever saw the fruit of this thing, you know, stuff like anger and this perceived need to try to control something, I never knew what the root was. But there it was, and it had been there all along, this fear of being left and alone. I I imagine doctors would call like abandonment issues or something like that. And there's only one thing to heal that kind of neurological trauma. It would be having the ongoing experience of someone never leaving you. But here's the problem. No matter how much you love me, no matter how much you want to stay with me and are committed to being like, dude, I'm with you, Dom. I got you. At some point, you're going to have to leave. You're going to have to go to the store. You're going to have to go to work. You're going to have to go visit a friend or a family member at some point. You're going to leave. And every time you do, I'm in danger of this thing being triggered in me. Left and alone and there's no way around it and so I have to sit in it you can't fix it for me my wife can't fix it for me because you can't be there all the time at some point you gotta leave there was just somebody though enter Jesus The same one who showed up for Lazarus that day. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified. Why? For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. This year when I woke up on my birthday on March 12th, I usually feel uh entitled to sleep in but i decided it was a heavy year for me so i needed to wake up early before anyone got got up and i was sitting there with jesus and i'd never thought about this day before never my mom had talked about it never thought about it i'm like an optimist right i'm like "Ah, everything's cool everything's good but god brought me back to this day and as i sat there in my stillness he took me back to that hospital room and then he took me back to that helicopter And then he took me back to that NICU. And there I was. And my mom wasn't there. My dad wasn't there. My older sister wasn't there. And I couldn't see him. But oh, he was there. Jesus had shown up for me, he had come. There is no one in this life that can heal those kinds of traumas because there's no one in this life that comes and then never leaves. But Jesus is rewiring my neurological connections and rewriting my belief systems. He is uprooting that tree of abandonment every time I experience his presence and hear his voice and realize the truth that he is with me and he's not leaving And he's not going to forsake me. He's the one who won't. Jesus came for me. And child of God, don't let this simple truth be lost on you today. That while you were in all of your chaos, while you were in all of your sickness, while you were on the brink of death and in spiritual death, Christian, don't let this be lost on you today. That while you were in that place, Jesus showed up. Jesus came. It is the mystery of Emmanuel. God is with us. Nobody was coming for Lazarus that day. Just one. And I said it last week, but I don't follow Jesus just because him dying and raising from the dead is the most provable, infallible piece of history in all of antiquity. I followed Jesus because he came for me. I followed Jesus because he came. When nobody else was coming, Jesus showed up. And when he came, he came to give. Jesus came to give. And when Jesus came to earth, this is the heart that he came with. This is who God is. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he... Gave. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave. gave. This is in his nature. This is who God is. It is because of his love that the father gave his son. It's because of his love that Jesus gave his life. I'm a, I'm a husband and a father of three children and a a spiritual father to some and a spiritual older brother to some and a physical older brother to others and I'm a pastor for my career which means that somebody always needs something from me and I love it God has given to me and so I want to graciously give back and I love it it is good and right But I'm going to be honest, man. Sometimes I got nothing left. Sometimes I have nothing left. And this season, man, so often, those of you who know me personally, it's just felt like, I got nothing, dude. I got nothing. I got nothing left to give. When I look to Jesus, I'm so thankful that he doesn't need anything from me. He has come to give. And every religion is not like that. They all want something from me. If I, if, I can't, if I can't do this and I can't get that, only Jesus says, I have need of nothing from you. I am all sufficient in and of myself. I'm the one who gives. You can't earn my love. You can't earn salvation. You'll never do enough. Don't even try. I have come to give, I am the initiator. And I think somebody here today needs to be reminded that it is not our doing or our giving that earns us a place in the family of God. It is his doing and his, I should say his, and his giving. And all we get to do is receive and then respond. When Jesus showed up at the tomb of Lazarus that day, he didn't, he didn't need anything. He wasn't coming to get or ask for anything. He showed up like a father does for a child. And nobody else does this. Christian, this is how God has loved you. Why? No one else loves you like a child because no one else knows you like a father. But he has loved you with an everlasting love. And it is from this love that he gives. For God so loved the world that he gave. And when Jesus comes to give, he comes to give life. Jesus came. Jesus came to give. Jesus came to give life. It's what he called himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said. I recently heard that once you hit your mid 30s, Psalm so 38, once you hit your mid 30s, that you slowly start dying. <laughs> Science. And that's the problem, right? The problem is death here. By the time Jesus showed up to the scene of Lazarus, Lazarus was already dead. And, and he wasn't just dead. If you could be like super dead, Lazarus was super dead, right? He was dead plus four days already in the tomb. And once you die, there's no coming back. There's no hope at that point. But what is the first thing that Jesus says to Martha when he shows up on the scene? Your brother will rise again. Jesus always comes for those that he loves. And when he comes, he comes to give life. And he always comes to give life. There was only one reason that Jesus showed up that day. He came for Lazarus. And he came to give to Lazarus. And he came to give life to Lazarus, the dead man. I am the resurrection and the life he would continue to say. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And you might be asking, Dom, but like, what what does that mean for me? I get what it meant for Lazarus. Like, I get what, why it was good news for his sisters. The dude was dead. And the, 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 the remedy for death is life. But bro, I'm not dead. I know you're not. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, you're not dead. Some of y'all look dead, sleeping over here. Just kidding. And you're not dead but someday you will be most of you know uh, that s- a few years ago my family was assaulted with the fragility of life as first our daughter's best friend at the age of eight died tragically from cancer and then just two, two years later our Our little son, Nehemiah, was born with a terminal birth defect. And we had to watch him take his last breath in our arms after just 22 hours. Scripture tells us that death is the great enemy. And it is. Death was never God's plan in the beginning. Death was never the plan. And that's why it's so tragic. And that's why when it happens, we feel like, I don't have any tools to deal with this. Because it was never the plan. I don't know if you noticed in the story, but when Jesus gets to the tomb and everyone's weeping, it says that he was deeply moved and Jesus wept. And he didn't weep like we weep. Like, oh, I'm going to miss that dude. Oh, what a good life he led. He was taken too early. He was about to raise him from the dead. There was no reason for Jesus to cry for that. Jesus wept, I believe because he saw man this is what it's come to death was never the plan this wasn't the plan i knew i was in the beginning this was not the plan and this is what it has come to no you're not dead yet but you will be someday And that, friends, is why these words of Jesus matter for us today. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Christian, this is our hope. This is our hope. When all the world gives is death, Jesus comes to give life. And it's the reason that I can stand here today and talk about my son with hope in my heart. Because for the Christian, the death is not the end. It's not the end of the story. It's just like a chapter in the book. But what's crazy is that Ephesians 2 says that not only is physical death certain, but each of us are born dead spiritually. Every one of us were born with this disease called sin and sin brings nothing but death. And it is our sin that has separated us from God, the one that we were intended to be in relationship with, like a chasm between us that we could never cross. Apart from Jesus, we are all dead in our sin with no way to come back into relationship with God. But this is why Jesus came, to remove our sins, to bring us back into relationship with God. Friends, we were the dead man in the tomb with no way to resurrect ourselves back to life. And Jesus crossed over that chasm and came and found us to bring each of us back into relationship with God. Jesus came to give life, amen? I've been talking to uh, Christians for the last 20 minutes, but I, I just wanna say a few words. To, to people who don't know Jesus here today. And listen, I, I got no skin in this game. I I lose nothing if you hate everything I say. I'm a beggar who found eternal bread and I would be a miss, no, I'd be a jerk if I didn't tell you where the bread was. Okay, so I'm gonna talk for, About seven minutes right now from my heart about how God has changed my life and how I have found bread. I said it a minute ago, but sin is a spiritual disease that we are all born with, and in it, we are born spiritually dead. Sin is the reason that I don't have to teach my kids when they're born to steal things from their siblings or to be selfish or to be mean. It is sin in us that causes us to do the things that we don't want to do. And we are all born with this disease of sin. And then we choose to obey it. And you've come in today, maybe, and you're like, that's cool, man. I hear what you're saying, but I'm actually a really good person. And maybe you are, but by whose standards? Because God judges by his standard. And his standard for goodness is the Ten Commandments and so he says okay but have you ever lied oh yeah I mean like little ones you know if you've broken one part of the law you've broken the entire law have you ever stolen anything nah man I'm not a thief what about just that little thing it wasn't yours to take in the first place yeah most of us have done that what about adultery? Nah, dude. I'm faithful. I'm faithful to my spouse. I'm faithful to my boyfriend or girlfriend. I don't cheat. Okay, but Jesus said if you have lusted after someone sexually in your heart, then you have already committed adultery with them. Okay. How about murder, though? Come on, dude. Very few people in here, I imagine that have murdered somebody, but Jesus said, it's not funny. <laughs> Jesus saves. Even, even the murderer. Jesus saves. But Jesus said, if you've hated a brother or sister in your heart, you've actually already committed murder. So by your own admission then, lying, thieving, adulterous murder. That's just four of the Ten Commandments. We are all guilty before God. And when we die, we're gonna stand before Him. And we're gonna have to give an account for our lives. And we will either be judged according to our righteousness, or we will be judged according to the righteousness of Jesus. And friend, if you are judged according to your righteousness, you will not be able to stand in the presence of God. It will not be enough. By your own admission, a lying, murderous, adulterous thief. And God did not create hell for humans. He created it for demons where they will be sent and destroyed at the end of time. But apart from Jesus, this is our destiny. Unless we are made righteous somehow, we cannot... Stand or live or be in the presence of God but this is why Jesus came it is the reason that Jesus came Jesus came to pay the penalty for our sin Jesus came to be judged so that we wouldn't have to and I'm telling you right now that God doesn't want to pour out judgment on you Jesus already took it upon himself so that you wouldn't have to. You don't know it, but you have a father in heaven who has loved you since before you were born. And it was because of his great love that he sent Jesus to give his life. But he is also a righteous judge who cannot turn a blind eye at sin or he would, remain, he would cease to remain just. Sin must be judged. But friend, today is the day to be saved rescued from the penalty of our sin it is the day of salvation and if you declare with your mouth jesus christ as the lord of your life and believe in your heart that god indeed did raise him from the dead then you shall be saved and today there's a choice set before you friend life or death the forgiveness of your sins or the punishment of your sins Your righteousness, which will never be enough, or the righteousness of Christ. An abundant life, or a life where you're constantly searching for fulfillment. Jesus did everything that needed to be done that day on the cross for our sins to be forgiven, for our shame to be taken away, and for us to be welcomed into the family of God. Jesus paid for it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. He offers it as a free gift of grace. But it's like any gift. It must be received to those who received him as the Lord of their lives. To them, he gave the right to be called children of God. And I know that most of you probably didn't show up to church today looking for God. Most of us aren't looking for God when we find him. But we're looking for something. And I think that you're here today and you're looking for maybe it's love. Unconditional love. If somebody could just love me unconditionally and need nothing from me, require nothing from me, and they'd keep loving me, we're all born with desires like this. You know what phantom pain is, right? I talked about it last week where you you lose a limb and then you keep feeling the pain of it as if it was still there. Things like longing for love, It's it's a human ideal deep in our soul. And we long for Eternal, unconditional love. But it's like the phantom pain of the soul. Because you never actually have experienced this. Where did it come from? Like, you must have once had it. Why do you long for something that's not there? You can't long for something that's actually not there. You only long for something that's actually out there. But why do you long then for eternal love? Why do you long for unconditional love? You've never experienced it in your life. As a human race, we have never experienced unconditional love. So why the longing then? Why the longing? Because somewhere in our souls, this once lived. See, we were created with the capacity to love and be loved. But it can never be fulfilled by people. We were created with the capacity to be loved and and love God. He's the one that fulfills the unconditional love desire because he alone is unconditional love, the phantom pain and the soul longing for just full acceptance, full unconditional love. It's actually longing for God, that longing for hope beyond the tragedy of this life. It is there because God put it there. The Bible says that God has put eternity in our hearts. And so when we long for love, we're actually longing for God, friend. When we long for hope, we're actually longing for God because he is the God of all hope. And today you come here looking for something. And you may not know, but I got to tell you man, it's it's actually God. We're like lost children we can't find their way home and we've got amnesia like i know i know i'm lost but i just can't remember and so we spin and toil in our lives just looking for that maybe this thing over here maybe this if i can just get the right if i can just do the then finally maybe i'll just it's the phantom pain of the soul and it's longing for god And you will spend your entire life looking and never be fulfilled. Jesus said it. I'm the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And nobody comes back to the Father except through me. And might I add, friend, that nobody else is coming for you. Only Jesus came for you. And he came to remove the barrier that separated you from God. He came to take upon the punishment for your sin. But you gotta receive. You gotta repent. It just means to turn. It just means to turn from self dependency and live in life your own way and turn to God and and receive Him as Lord, saying, I'm gonna let you be the Lord. I'm gonna let you be the King. I'm gonna let you be the Master. You are God. I don't wanna keep running around looking here and there trying to find that you're the one. You're it. I surrender. I give my life to you. And the Bible says that when we do that, Jesus will come by his spirit and come and live in us. And we will be brought from death back into life. Our name will be written in the book of heaven. And when we die, there will be hope for us too beyond this grave. That's what the Bible says. And today he stands before you and he offers you a choice. He stands at your tomb, friend. And he yells in there, my son, daughter, come out come to life I'm here come on let me take off your grave clothes let me wash your sins away come on I'm calling you to life but you know Jesus when he called out Lazarus could have stayed in there like nah I'm good he had to respond he had to respond Jesus is calling you today friend he's calling you today say son daughter come out of the tomb You are dead in your sins and trespasses. You are under the judgment of God right now. But Jesus like, I took it for you. I took it for you. But you got to receive. you got to receive. And so here's what I'm going to do in just a minute. If you want to receive this free gift of life, and you want your sins to be forgiven, and you want Jesus to come in and by His Spirit live in you, you want Him to be the Lord of your life, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to make a decision today. See, Jesus came... And when he came, he came publicly. And when he gave his life, he did it publicly. And so I'm gonna ask you to publicly today say, yeah, dude, I need this Jesus. And I'll tell you what, this room right here is the best place to do this. Because most of the people in here, I'm gonna say 90% of the people in here, they know what I'm talking about. They know this resurrected life. They know hope beyond the grave. They know joy that isn't contingent upon circum, uh, what do they call it? Circumstances. I almost said circumcision. <laughs> this is what Jesus offers us today, friend. This is what he offers you and in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand if you want to receive eternal life and you want your sins to be forgiven. And when you do, the people around you are going to be Begin to clap, and here's why. Because they know what's happening. They know that you're crossing from death into life. I'll give you a minute here to just contemplate this, to think on this. Close your eyes if you want, and ask the band to come up now.